1: We
2: got our eye on the enemy as we head into Week 2 Action Eagles, Falcons Sunday Night Football. I am your host, Michael Kist, and this is all, of course, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. This is a fairly new series, so I'll explain it again. Every year in the offseason, me and Benjamin Solak do an eye on the enemy, on divisional rivals in the NFC East, and whoever else in the NFC we view as a serious contender, this is just an extension of that with a focus on the upcoming opponent of the week. Last week, we spoke with Mark Bullock of The Athletic DC, and he brought some tremendous insight. And this week, as we prepare for Eagles and Falcons, we'll be talking with Jenna Thomas of SB Nation and The Falcoholic to help preview this Sunday night extravaganza. Of course, make sure you've already smashed that subscribe button and are following at BGN underscore radio to keep up to date with all the shows dropping into the feed. And let me tell you, they are dropping fast and furious as we've got you covered with a mountain of content throughout the season. So let's not stand on ceremony any longer. Let's go to my chat with Gina Thomas right now. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you?
2: I'm doing quite well. And before we get into all the football stuff, I want to know about you and I want the listeners to know about you. So plug where they can find you on social media and also where they can find all of your work.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas. It's J-E-A-N-N-A Thomas because my parents are weird. <laughs> and you can find my work primarily at thefalcoholic.com with the occasional thing popping up on SBNation.com here and there. I'm also co-hosting the Falcoholic podcast. So So... Lots of stuff going on over there.
2: I would definitely check out the Falcoholic podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast family, which is awesome. So it's great to have you on here to talk about some Falcons football as they head into this week two matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles. But before we get into the on-field stuff, Julio Jones just signed a new contract, adding three new seasons and $66 million to his current deal. $64 million of that new money is guaranteed. What did you make of him at the time asking for a new contract with several years still left? On his deal,
1: I was fine with it yeah. because he didn't really have any guaranteed money mm. to speak of left in that contract. And when you're talking about a profession where these guys are putting their physical health and safety on the line every week for my entertainment, I want them to be well compensated for that. And I want them to have the security of knowing that they're getting that guaranteed money. So I will never fault a player from protecting his own future by trying to lock up guaranteed money. Teams build contracts in such a way that they can get out of them pretty easily. And I think that that's what guys want to avoid.
2: Yeah, I was definitely in Julio's corner when it came to that because his talent wasn't being compensated with, with the other talent around him where he was being paid for his contract and everything like that. And I understand he signed it, but at the same time, he's the guy on the field putting his body on the line. So I was definitely supporting him in seeking a new contract. He ends up coming to camp. I think he arrived like a day before or something to that effect. But if you were to ask Falcons fans now, even the ones that maybe were opposed to him asking for a new contract, are any of them really upset that he got all of this new Guaranteed money with the
1: extension. I don't think people are really upset. Um, I think that they, you know, if if Julio doesn't, I don't know, put put together a bigger game than he did in week one, pretty soon, I think that they might be. But no, I think by and large, people recognize that he's a generational talent, and this is the NFL now. I mean, you have to pay that top talent if you want to keep them on your team, and yeah. So I think that it was just necessary, and I think that most people. Do see it that way?
2: Yeah, I think that's a good point. With everything that's happening around the NFL, with all the different holdouts and for the different reasons that people can kind of see, that's that's this the new normal right now. So good for Julio getting his money. Definitely a top talent. Definitely deserved it. Let's talk about some some Falcons here because I was very high on them coming into last year, and that got derailed by week one. Injuries really robbed us of seeing what I thought was a young defense filled with potential just transformed before our eyes into a very good unit we didn't get to see it this year you figure they're healthier coming into the season so it's it's safe to be optimistic uh jenna before we get into week one what were your expectations for this 2019 falcons team before the season started
1: before the season started i was saying that this is you know a 10 and 6 team um if you look at the talent that they have especially with the skill position players on offense the investments that they made in the offensive line this offseason I think that that was really key getting Devonte Freeman back fully healthy I felt like that offense was going to be pretty unstoppable and defensively getting back those guys that we lost like you mentioned um, after week one Atlanta lost both Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen both starting safeties and then also Deion Jones for a big chunk of the season and he's sort of the heart and soul of that defense right there at middle linebacker and so it was really really difficult last season but yeah I I did expect better this season and here they are. <laughs> they did not look better.
2: <laughs> Definitely. And, and let's take that broad view after the 28 to 12 season opening loss to the Minnesota Vikings. How does that performance impact the expectations that you had coming into the season? You said you thought they were a 10 and team. Do you still believe that they're still that same team, still that
1: dangerous team? I think that the talent that they have on both sides of the ball still justifies that expectation that said the biggest issue with this team is the offensive line and if they can't keep Matt Ryan upright and if they can't create holes in the run game then I don't know that they can win 10 games. I think that that's the big question. Having lost their starting right guard, the rookie first rounder, Chris Lindstrom Mm. to, to IR with a broken foot after the Vikings game, you know, and they're kind of rotating guys in at right tackle. And so it's, you know, a lot of instability on that side of the line, which is not encouraging. At
2: all. Yeah, and they were they were blitzed a lot by Minnesota at least early in the game, and then losing Lindstrom. I agree, Lindstrom is a fantastic talent. I was very high on him coming into the draft. Had a first round grade on him. I saw him live down there in Mobile, Alabama, for the Senior Bowl. Just an absolutely impressive dude with a with a great attitude. Just a dude that you want on your team. Do you think that the the line can kind of get this back together or are they going to struggle with some chemistry issues with rotating guys in and out and now having to fill that right guard spot? Like how concerned are you that Matt Ryan is just going to be harassed by any team with a decent pass rush this year?
1: Well, um, I am a huge offensive line nerd. And so I'm <laughs> very, very concerned. Like I'm probably more concerned about this than I could possibly be about any other <laughs> position group on the field, yeah. especially rotating guys in. The reason that they're doing that at right tackle is because the other rookie first-rounder, Caleb McGarry, had to undergo a minimally invasive heart procedure during the preseason. And so he's still – his conditioning isn't quite where it needs to be. And so he can't play a full game – So, but rotating somebody in really never lets them develop that chemistry or get in any kind of a rhythm. And so that's a huge concern for me, not just now, but for the rest of the season. And when you factor in the issue that Lindstrom's out, and so it's really that whole side of the line, it could be a really big problem. Defenses scheme their best players to attack that side because it's already a perceived weakness. And so I'm, yeah, I'm very concerned about that issue.
2: Yeah. And you're just dealing with chemistry of players, you know, dealing with calling out protections and then passing off stunts and and different things of that nature can really get you. The chemistry on combo blocks and, and working that can be difficult to build. And you already had young guys in there to begin with. So that'll be something to watch in this Eagles game as they try to attack that right side. And look, despite Matt Ryan putting up a bit of a stinker in that game, I'm still of the opinion that when he's at his ceiling, and I think he's, he's very well capable of hitting that ceiling this year, that he is in the MVP discussion as far as the caliber of play. And we can talk about narratives and stats going into MVP stuff, but just as a, as a quarterback, he can play at a really high level. How are the Falcons fans in general treating what I would consider an aberration of a game against the Vikings?
1: You know, and what's funny about it is that a lot of them are not reacting well. Now you have, <laughs> I would say, the majority of Falcons fans are level-headed, and they understand that franchise quarterbacks do not grow on trees. Matt Ryan is one of the good ones, and we've got to hold on to him for as long as we can, and we're fortunate to have him. But, you know, you have the small contingent of people who are like, he's terrible. If you look at his stat line against the Vikings, aside from the two picks, which obviously were not great, but the rest of his stat line was not terrible. And when you consider the pressure that he was under, I think that that you have to factor that in there. So yeah, um, I think Falcons fans are, for the most part, taking in stride. But like I said, you have that that small but vocal contingency who thinks that Matt Ryan is trash, and those are the ones that you will find the level-headed ones fighting with on Twitter. So
2: yeah, th- those are <laughs> always the reactionary after week one. I mean, as as somebody that covers the Eagles, the first half of the game against the Washington there was a lot of reactionary takes people. Yeah, you know, everyone pretty much got fired at halftime. And then by the end of the second <laughs> half, everyone was fine. Again, sometimes these things take time, you know, sometimes they they put out a stinker, different things happen for different reasons. Football is chaos. We don't know anything. So we'll see if the Falcons can <laughs> write the shit there, especially with Ryan. But if, if there was a positive takeaway from that Falcons loss, as just as far as either offensively, defensively, individually, anything like that. Is there anything that they can hang their hat on uh, after being routed like that?
1: You know, I'm gonna I have to single out one individual and it's Grady Jarrett. Um, He is Mm. such a force. He is such a force. (laughs) Yeah, he is. He is really, I think, an underrated player. Um, He was an absolute steal for the Falcons in the draft a few years ago out of Clemson. He really is one of the best at the position in the entire league. The Falcons were very smart to go ahead and extend him because he's a very special player. And his his effort and his play were just really at their peaks on Sunday, even though it was really not that great of a game across the board. He was definitely a highlight.
2: I I was going through the film of that game, and Grady Jarrett always pops anyway, but especially in that game. And whenever I watch him against the Eagles, the Eagles have certain run concepts, and it just seems that Jarrett is more effective against them than any other uh, interior defensive lineman that the Eagles have really come across. So I agree with you there. Jarrett is supremely underrated. I always love diving into his tape, so that's a good one. Now, Jarrett, like I said, playing the Eagles has always kind of balled out. Week two, Sunday night, let's talk about it from an outsider's perspective. What are your opinions on this Eagles team that has kind of had the Falcons' number, maybe not have their number, but have eked out some solid wins against them, and have, have done a good job at limiting their offense and, and had them score, I think, like fifteen or sixteen less points per game than than usual when they play them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously, week one last year, we opened it up on. Thursday night football against the Eagles and that was not a pretty game (laughs) I think that they did I can't remember the final score but the Falcons were definitely yeah they were below 20 and I feel like these teams at least at that point in time with without the injuries for the Falcons they were pretty evenly matched Mm. the previous uh, postseason obviously Philadelphia (laughs) knocked Atlanta out of the playoffs so yeah the last two I feel like the Falcons are due except for the team that I saw this past Sunday can't beat the Eagles <laughs> to be quite honest. So, um, Well, if, yeah, I if think you get that, the first
2: half Eagles, I think you're okay. So maybe it'll, <laughs> it'll be another ugly one.
1: Yeah, it, it, it might be. Um, but yeah, I think that the Eagles have a ton, a ton of talent. And this is a matchup that I'm very concerned about. You know, looking at the first two games of the season for the Falcons, neither one was going to be easy. Those are both very good teams in the conference, which, you know, you want start, to start out strong with those. And um, the Eagles matchup was always the one that I was more concerned about. So needless to say, I'm a little bit shaky going into this one after seeing how they played on Sunday.
2: Apologies for interrupting the conversation, but we do have some bills to pay. We'll be back with more. We'll be back with more right after this.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge...
2: So, Jenna, the Eagles wide receiver trio. I don't know if you've seen this, but the trio of Deshaun, Nelly, and Alshon have dubbed themselves DNA. Are you now less concerned, more concerned, or the same amount of concern regarding the Falcons having to stop them come Sunday
1: night? I'm more concerned, but it's partly because I also saw Deshaun's uh, fantasy numbers from last week. So, but yeah, that's a great nickname. That's a really yeah. So they're just firing on all cylinders. <laughs> that's Definitely. no good for that's no good for the Falcons.
2: Would would you say you're the most concerned with stopping Deshaun? That vertical element, where even when he's running clear out routes, he's still running touchdown routes because he can he can burn dudes.
1: Yeah, I mean. mean I think that it's both you know no the Falcons have um, a new starter outside uh, Isaiah Oliver who's very talented but I think that he's still kind of adjusting to full game speed Um, Mm. last week on Sunday that was his first start and aside from the preseason and so that's a concern too Um, they don't have Desmond Trufant shadow the best receiver he just sticks on his side of the field so it will be Really interesting to see how that works out.
2: Yeah, because you've got to match up with the big-bodied Alshon, and then the Eagles are moving Deshaun around. Deshaun took about half of his snaps from the slot, too, so they really do try to hide him in some of those sets, so it'll be interesting to see how the Falcons kind of deal with that early on. I expect the Eagles to kind of move Deshaun around early in the first drive and see how the Falcons respond and then kind of move from there. But what I'm seeing from this bed site that I'm on, no free ads. It's, it's prediction time, Jenna. Uh, the Eagles are road, <laughs> road favorites by uh, two points. Uh, you don't have to go with the spread or anything like that, but who you got and what do you think the score is? And you can pretend that you didn't just make up the score off the top of your head.
1: Yeah, um, well, I actually have been thinking about this one. And I I do think that the Falcons have to bounce back this week at home. Um, and so I think that it will probably be a close game, but I think that they pull it together. And I think that the Falcons pull this one off 28 to 24.
2: Mm. So what what does that look like? Does anything strange happen? Anything, any bold predictions? Or is that just uh, the Falcons making the most of their red zone opportunities, unlike the last time that they met up with Ryan having a pretty clean game?
1: Yeah, I think that it's probably more than making the most out of their red zone opportunities. But I also think that will anything weird happen? Yes, something weird happens that makes me <laughs> crazy in every Falcons game. Whether they just start, you know, dogging it in the third quarter for no good reason or what it is, something weird will happen.
2: <laughs> they have had terrible I lot- just don't know what. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just terrible luck since 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 the Super Bowl, and I I, I won't yeah. You know. <laughs> Hang on that topic too much longer. I don't. I don't want to beat you up over it. But what it, what is it like? Because I know as an Eagles fan, like growing up and then going through the through the lean years and then getting so close so many times, not quite getting over the hump. And then you got Chip Kelly come in, and then and then Doug Peterson is like the most unassuming coach to come in at first. Nobody really knew who he was, and he ends up being this this brilliant dude. And we, you know, you finally get a Super Bowl and everything's fine, and it kind of changes your demeanor as 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 a fan base. What is it like to be a Falcons fan in the year of our Lord 2019?
1: You know, it has its challenges. And my boyfriend is a Patriots fan. And it's funny because he never brings up 28 to 3. It has happened exactly (laughs) zero times. Um, But Saints fans do it to me all the time, (laughs) or like random fans, like Oakland Raiders fans. I'm like, (laughs) what did you have to do with it? Like, this had nothing to do with your team. So that part of it's irritating. It's also frustrating because my 28 to 3 jokes are so funny because I have to laugh to get through the pain. And they're funnier than. Saints fans jokes. And so I think that that's another layer of challenge for Falcons fans is that, you know, (laughs) nobody has our sense of humor. That is actually how we get through it.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I see you guys on Twitter and you're constantly beating up on your You have to. Otherwise, it would drive mm-hmm. you crazy. Is Baxter your, your dog, Baxter?
1: Baxter is my dog, yes.
2: Is, is, <laughs> is he a Patriots or Falcons fan? Do we know?
1: he? Uh, it depends on which parent you ask. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I say that he is a Falcons fan. Chris insists he's a Patriots fan. We both do agree that he is a Braves fan and a Red Sox fan. So okay. he has those jerseys and those are teams that we can both agree on.
2: Excellent, excellent. Okay, we'll call him a Falcons fan for now. We'll we'll go with that. Jenna, I I really appreciate you stopping by and helping me preview this game. Uh, Great insight. And uh, let the listeners know one more time where they can find you and where they can find all of your excellent work.
1: Sure, and thanks for having me. You can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas. It's J-E-A-N-N-A Thomas. And you can find my work at the Falcoholic and um, on the Falcoholic podcast.
2: Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. Are, was I saying your was I saying your damn name wrong the whole time? Was it? Is it?
1: It I, doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> matter. It really does not matter. Is <laughs> it- My parents. It's Gina. It's like it's like G I N A, but I mean it looks like Jenna and people call me that all the time. It's actually a huge joke. If you ever notice all of the guys from the Falcoholic calling me Joomla, it's making fun of the fact that nobody ever says my name right. They all just call me Joomla or Joom all the time. And so I answer to whatever. It's totally fine.
2: Okay. Okay. When I when I put the intro at the front, uh, I'll I'll put a disclaimer on there and I'll I'll add some humor to it because that's I I feel terrible, but now that you put it that way, I feel a little bit better, so I appreciate that. You really could have nailed me on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I really, I do not get upset about that at all. It's perfectly fine.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you again for doing this.
0: More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to do list starts.